danger here. Save! The goalkeeper's luck was in. Got to that well. Keeping hold of the ball here. Still got the ball. Fought well to win it back there. If he can control midfield, he can control the game. So important to get the upper hand in midfield. Right there, luck down the flank here. Nice idea. Now possibilities here. All right, we are back. Ken and Column. I'm your host, Artie Gassemi. I'm with my co-host, Kyle Jenkins. Man, and we are ecstatic to kick off this new campaign. Uh, as Arsenal fans, I think it's safe to say that we've just been looking forward to a season like this for quite some time. And I think even with the previous seasons of being excited for it, in the back of our minds, we knew we were really, really behind. And to be honest, preseasons really showed that for the most part. So we were excited. We're trying to be hopeful because why not? But we knew in the back of our minds that we're really, really you know, far behind. But I can honestly say since training camp, since preseason, there's been just, it seems like a new level that we've taken. And for the first time, even in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I think we're, we're pretty legit. And you, you're really looking at the progress now and where we've come from. And you really can see that we have some legitimate quality from the back all the way up to the front. Now you're seeing areas of weakness, if you've been a fan for quite some time, that they Arteta and Edu have addressed. And I'm going to use this word carefully, Kyle, but I'm actually feeling a little bit confident. I love it. I love it. That's definitely how I felt going into this season. I think you hit everything perfect there. The preseason was phenomenal. We're addressing all the needs. Um, I'm not going into every game worrying about, okay, you know, X team is going to attack down, you know, the left side because we have uh, a, a gaping hole on the left side. Like everything that we've said that we needed to address, we have. And you're seeing the culmination of three years of of a complete rebuild um, out on out on the pitch now, and it's just really refreshing. And, and um, you know, I think we're in a really really good spot right now. And you know, both of us know that you know things might not go perfectly throughout the season, but um, I feel like club fans, players, coaches are all aligned on one goal and, and that's just really really refreshing going into the season so um, ready to get into uh, the most recent game and, and you know talk about uh, some other things that have happened over the off season and, and what we're kind of seeing at the club right now yeah and I gotta say you know watching all or nothing you're really getting the insight now to who Adu is and who Arteta is and, and you're getting glimpses into their leadership and the cultural changes they're willing to do so really just pieces the entire puzzle together for me and it's just something that you know I don't have to be superstitious or be hopeful quote-unquote like I have in the past it's something where it's legit on paper when we start a game I can confidently say for very valid reasons why I feel confident you know going into any game right now regardless of who we play Uh, before we dive into the lesser game you know I think in the lesser game, the first place I want to start is a perfect example of this. We're still a really, really young team. And I think every fan should keep that in mind. And when I mean keep it in mind, it's just be okay with mistakes. Uh, mistakes are going to happen. We the, These players are not perfect. 
and from Martinelli to Saliba to uh, Lakanga to Saka, all of these players, they're going to have bad days. They're going to have bad moments. We got to make sure we remain patient. And I think not only has the team and the management improved to new heights and, and really worked through a process and changed their outlook, but so have the fans. And starting with that Leicester game, that William Saliba own goal, I mean, it is unheard of to, to imagine Emirates after your after centre-back scores an own goal to be cheered like majorly when he touches the ball next like that reaction was just like wow in terms of how much change there has been with the fans as well and and they are looking at these players saying hey we still got your back you made a mistake we're not going to get on you like we have in the past we're, we're feeling you're, you're delivering for us so we're going to deliver for you as fans and we're going to back you up and I think I do notice that he, he commented about it but I would love your take on that, and I thought that was a very seismic shift and and really a tangible thing to look at in terms of how far we've come, not just the club, but really the fans. Yeah, I think it all started um, with with COVID, obviously. Um, I think, you know, the fans not being able to be in the grounds during that season uh, really uh, made people miss. Uh, football and and you know when that's taken away from you, uh, you come back with a renewed sense of um, you know passion, desire, connections, all the things that Mikel touches on in all or nothing and and all of his press conferences and I think you're really starting to see the connection between the fans and the players and it's just incredible. Like I could hear the atmosphere over the the TV, which is unheard of in the Emirates era. You know, everything that the fans and commentators have said uh, about the atmosphere in the past is 100% true. Like, it would go dead silent during games at some point in times. And, and I mean, probably, um, it was probably warranted because, you know, what was on the pitch wasn't really great to watch and, you know, there's mistakes and so on and so forth. But, I think it's just really awesome to see a complete 180. Um, Mikel said that he's never seen something like that in his entire career, and I've never really seen anything like that where um, a defender makes a mistake, and we can call it a mistake. I think it was really unlucky, but um, a defender makes a mistake, you know, puts the ball into the back of his net, and then he touches it the next time. There's just this huge uproar, and I think for any 21-year-old center back in the Premier League, that had to lift Saliba's spirits up just immensely. So um, I think you touched on it perfectly. Like We have a lot of young players. There are going to be mistakes. But I really think the fans are, are starting to understand the impact that they can have on the game. Um, and I think that will really take us to the next level. And, and one more point that I want to touch on um, is, you know, the fans, we've, we've gone from, you know, center back pairings of, like, Socrates and Staffy and, and I don't want to sit here and say that any professional athlete is not good, but I mean they they just were not at the level to now we have Gabriel and Saliba, very young, but you can you can see the the promise and, and see the players that they're they're gonna become. So I think that really um, plays a part in this whole thing. It's just you know, age, profile, um, who they can become as players. So, 
you know, what are your thoughts on that as far as, you know, fit and player profile and how that's kind of playing into the whole fan and, and player connection? Yeah, I think it's gone a long way. And I think fans are smart people. I think we all want the same thing. It's not rocket science. We want to see effort on their end. We want to see uh, them bring in players that are of quality, that are young, that are valuable to the club, that align with the club's values. And, you know, Socrates, David Luis, and, and just some really, really... Um, you know, beyond Mustafi, I think one time we had, um, we had like Lick Steiner for, for a year and um, some other names that were just awful, just god-awful in, in that back line. Old players with no promise and playing in, you know, Bundesliga on fringe teams. It, it just it just was not pretty. And I think fans are, are seeing the effort from the club and, and what to bring. And they're deciding to back up the players. Um, and I think to, to, that, to add to that, we really have depth now. Now, granted, we have no injuries for the first time. Let's hope we keep it that way, knock on wood. Um, but we really have some solid depth, which the natural reaction you first think is, oh, we're, we'll be covered if we have an injury. And of course, that's why, why you ultimately want one so you're secured. But what it also creates is a lot of competition, right? And and it's just going to l- raise the le- their levels even more, right? And you look at that entire back line, I think Arteta and Adu have done a phenomenal job just first off, and it, t- and it takes three years to get out all the deadwood and then to get the right profile players and then to make sure you nail their backups as well so you create a create a great rotation with amongst them. And they're almost complete. I'd say probably they would want um, maybe another left-footed center back, like a young guy, to um, challenge Gabe, uh, Gabriel. but uh, And maybe an, another right back to upgrade from Cedric. But with what we have right now, you know, Tom Yasu, Cedric competing on the right. Tom Yasu can't, he's better, obviously, but when when you have someone on your ass to try to play, it's just going to make you not miss a beat. And then White is also now challenging. So, because if he can't get in to the right center back stop, he's going to try to get into right back. That just creates a lot of competitive uh, aspects from Saliba to White, White to Tom Yasu. And then if Tom Yasu loses the right spot, he can play center back, right? And he can slot in to Saliba. So, and then the left side, you always have Tierney and Zinchenko. They're going to be pushing the hell out of each other because I can guarantee you both believe they should be starting for any eleven. And that's that's the fucking dynamic you want. And you you'll and that almost solidifies the quality sometimes because these players cannot stop because they know someone will take their spot in a heartbeat. And when you don't have that threat, unfortunately, and and sometimes it just drops your game because you know that you're not going to be subbed for it. Um, so I I really think our depth is making us very strong now and really like a team to watch out for because you see our subs coming in now right you see tyranny coming in for zinchenko 75th minute what a sick ass sub you see white getting subbed out for tamiyasu we didn't have those we used to bring we used to take out tyranny and put in cedric left back and then we were both like "Uh uh-oh like here we go it's gonna go down go go down to hell and it did majority of the time but what do you think of the depth we have now and especially the back line and, and what, what Mikel and Adu have done. I think it's been a uh, hell of a transformation. I mean, we just spoke a little bit about who we used to have at center back and, and so on and so forth. But um, I think you touched on a couple of really interesting points there. Like we can now, you know, lift and shift and flex the way that we play in certain matchups, right? So, you know, we go away to City or Liverpool, um, 
I think you might want to play a little bit more of a low block, a little bit more of a low block. So you might roll out um, a Tierney, Tomiyasu, Gabriel, and Saliba backline. Um, your scenes and Shinko start right now because we're playing teams that we expect to beat, where we expect to have more of the ball. So we want more of a technical uh, fullback out there. So I think it just raises the level, like you said, and it, it gives us options, which is really, really, really great to have. Um, I saw something interesting in the game that I want to get your thoughts on, um, talking about the Leicester game here. Um, you know, Gabriel Jesus was great. I can get into that in a little bit later, but I, I want to touch on kind of the dynamic between, you know, th- last season and this season. Last season, uh, when the right-hand side got um, shut down, and I'm talking, uh, you know, Saka, we couldn't do anything. Like, we, there was no chance of us scoring. That's honestly probably why we uh, bottled top four. Um, but you're starting to see a little bit more of that in the first two games this season where the right-hand side hasn't really been clicking. And I, I think it's been, you know, two parts, right? There's clearly that Brazilian connection between Gabriel Jesus and Gabriel Martinelli. Um, so they're looking for each other in the attacking third, which is awesome. Our left-hand side is clicking. But I also think that Ben White playing as right back, he's a lot more defensive-minded than a Cedric, uh, who's you know overlapping Bakayo, uh, bombing down the flanks, opening things up. Do you think we'll see more of that going forward where the right-hand side will, will um, be shut off a little bit more? Um, do you think it's the development of Martinelli that's um, allowing that left-hand side to flourish? Do you think it'll be an issue? What are your What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you you bring up a great point. I've been thinking the same, and I think a few things to point out. I think on the right side, first off, you gotta you gotta be honest with you know what's happening in terms of Saka's play. He's being very stagnant. Um, his movements are very predictable. He's not really moving too much inwards or making outwards runs, um, you know, on that right-hand side. It seems like Ben White is not even coming up, so it might be a tactical thing. So that's my second point. First one is I think Saka can be more alive out there, a little bit more active. I think you've been seeing it more and more. And again, this is might be just stemming from last year, from just an insane year he had in terms of playing too much. So maybe he, he needs some extended breaks, needs that competition. And I think we're seeing that ESR sub made for Saka, like, that wasn't an accident. Saka wasn't taking out precaution. Like, out of that front three of who needed to come out, like, it was him instead of Martinelli. Like, who he was just not playing up to Martinelli's level. So I think from that's the first point as far as, like, why I was stuck on the left. But the second aspect of it makes me think this is solely tactical because, and this is kind of pivoting to the next point, which I would love your thoughts on, is what Mikel is doing tactically on the left-hand side, and you and I are no pros and X's and O's, especially in this sport, you know, we, we don't know shit for the most part, but I, I can tell right away that there are so many things happening that is completely thrown off these players on the field in terms of the defenses that have to cope with it. When he uh, tucks in Zinchenko and then Shaka goes, fills in on the outside. Shaka is now making lots of forward runs, which is completely new. This is completely out of left field, and it's throwing defenses off because I would never expect to watch for a shocker run, but he's nailing those runs, and it's opening up some major gaps, and 
it's not about necessarily getting the ball to Shaka, which I think Mikhail is looking for, but the fact that now defense has to keep their eye on it, which then turns up opening up a Martinelli and Jesus when he now drops back a little bit. Um, so I, I think if you sit down with Mikel and you ask what's going on with the right side, he would definitely say we'll, we need to improve it. But I think he'll also tell you we're just the movements I'm able to do and the shifts I'm able to do on that left side is like good enough because then I can keep Ben White in the back. We can't have two both of our fullbacks up as a protection. I think there's a tactical play to it, and I was trying to figure it out when he when this was happening, where when Zinchenko tucks in and Shaka's on the outside, but he's not making a run, I think I see Ben White, like they kind of form a back three with Saliba and Gabriel, and White kind of hangs around there to essentially be uh, uh, to prevent the counter. And I think we've always got caught in that shit a lot in the past. So I think there's two parts to it. And, and to conclude, I think... Saka is just too many times just sitting on the ball. Like there's a couple times he was just literally standing there waiting for the defense to make a move before he makes yours. But it's like that's the complete opposite of what Martinelli is doing. Martinelli is dictating the play. He's he's saying, I'm not waiting for you to guess which way I'm going. I'm going to go direction, try and keep up. Um, and I think Saka needs to raise his game or ESR is right on his back because I can tell you something, that kid does not want to sit on the bench. So And right now, if you had to come in for any attacker, it would be Saka easily. Yeah, and again, it goes back to competition, right? Now I think we have the depth where if you know one of the young guys isn't performing, there's somebody right behind him to um, take the reins and, and play for a couple games. So I think that'll um, really just let, raise the level of the team even more. But um, you touched on Shaka, and, and I wanted to touch on him as well. Just kind of the revolution as a, a player and... and um, Mikel is definitely asking him to play a different role this year. Um, and I think it's due in large part to the technical quality that we have as a team now. He doesn't have to play in a double pivot with um, with Partey, which um, I think suits Shaka a little bit, but it's not where he's uh, best deployed. Um, I saw an interesting quote floating around um, socials, and it goes back to 2016. And this is back in the Arsene Wenger days. Um, Wenger said on Xhaka, he will get games. I like him as a box-to-box midfielder. He has the engine, the power, the long pass. You're now seeing Arteta deploy Xhaka as a box-to-box midfielder, Mm. and it's clearly bringing out qualities that um, is allowing Granite to shine. I mean... You touched on it. He's making those those late runs into the box. Should have scored that first header. Makes another, uh, or, or he's in and around the six yard box on on the goal that he scored, uh, which is an awesome position for him. So I think he's just going to keep flourishing in this role as long as you know we stay uh, we stay fit and we just keep deploying the same lineup. And, and I'm loving it. Um, what are your thoughts on Shaka, the revolution, um, how he's uh, kind of turned his game around a couple different times in his career. I think it just alludes to how big of a professional I think he is. And he's obviously not getting any younger. His speed and versatility and athleticism isn't his strong suit. So I think that's why the runs work so well because honestly, I wouldn't expect it as a defense. So they literally, no one covers him. You can definitely see the limitations. And I'll tell you something else. You could also see why the rumors for Tillemans are out there 
because if Arteta has now redesigned this role, this left midfielder to be to essentially become part of the attack and make those runs, you can now understand why he's targeting someone like Tillemans, a more athletic, younger, um, uh, more I guess traditional style of box to box in terms of at least having athleticism. And that's where it's not to shock us fall. I mean, you are who you are, and he's just not the fastest slash athletic type, but he brings a lot of great qualities and his adaptation to it and, and manager asking him of this and who knows if he wanted it or not, but the fact that he's knows that for him to stay in the lineup, he needs to now become that midfielder that kind of Tillemans is, uh, that box to box. Um, and he's just said, I'm going to do it. And I think, um, you know, he talked a lot about, um, he had an interview over the, over the break about how he's, his workout routine is completely revamped how he's in a new training protocol that he's never done before and it's just all lining up for me because i think it was just a major ask of arteta in the offseason that hey dude i'm your role's about to change and like i I, i'm gonna have you like needing make these like sprints down the middle and be able to control the ball and maybe slot one home and um it just seems like all of that falls into line and i've always loved him personally by see i has his issues and i and i'll still stay here and say we can upgrade just from an athletic athleticism point of view but it's just been now four coaches at least for uh arsenal that he will not get dropped in the 11 i think it's time for everyone to at least trust those professional coaches that he clearly brings a lot to the table even though to the naked eye it seems like ah you know he's limiting us he's clearly adds a lot and coaches from club to national they do not drop him so we have to just kind of give him the benefit of the doubt right now that clearly he adds a lot and you just have to kind of look, uh, read in between the lines in terms of his impact. Yeah, you brought up a good point there where, I mean, four coaches in, no one's dropped him. Um, I think it's really interesting that um, Odegaard is, is the captain of the team, but um, in, in multiple different uh, iterations of, you know, maybe it's in-game camera work or in you know, all or nothing. Granite is the vocal leader of, of the locker room and on the field. And, and I think you need, uh, I think you need that in a team. I think Odegaard is, you know, the voice, the, the, the intermediary between Mikel and the players on the pitch, but Granite is, is the intermediary between, you know, all of the players in the locker room. And so I think that dynamic is, is really, really interesting. Um, I think the next uh, next place I want to go is um, Gabby Jesus. I mean, what a signing we have. Um, everyone knows the numbers now. Um, I, I think I think we kind of uh, got one on City here. Um, just the, the the dynamic runs that that he makes um, have opened up a, a different aspect of our attack. Um, you know, he's, he's linking play. He's, he's a poacher. That second goal was, was phenomenal. I, 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 I texted you during the game, um, that I don't think we score the third goal. Uh, if we have luck is that he's just not in those positions. Um, what are your thoughts on, on Gabby Jesus? Um, what do we have, uh, in this player and, and how do you think he's going to kind of revolutionize us as a team? I'm in awe, like mouth dropping. I this might be partially due to me not watching him on city teams, and maybe he wasn't getting the playing time. 
I did not know he is the player that we're watching. I, I knew he scored goals, and I definitely watched him play for City. But the image I had in my head of Jesus was just like a poacher, a great finisher. I mean, I never thought his footwork was like as good as it is now. I did not know his that strong back to his, back to the ball. What he is doing for us with the hold-up play is something Laka could not do the entire year. And quite frankly, Eddie can't do it either. It is absolutely lethal right now. If you get the ball to him and someone's on his back, he is beating him 9 out of 10 times. And he is opening up lanes and gaps and single-handedly too. Even his first goal, the way he we got into the box, um, if you look at it, is just beating players left and right with one-on-one moves. I just... I knew the goal scorer we're getting. I know the professional we're getting and the, and the poacherness that he has. His work rate, his back to the ball, and his footwork has just blown me away. And we've talked about this many times, and everyone has too. We were legit playing with 10 players out there last year with no forward. I mean, it's, it's really safe to say now because I, I imagine, I, I remembered us building up how many times when we did the build that we had to go backwards. And I used to blame the. Uh, winger or the midfielder for being passive but it wasn't their fault we had no nine it it legit felt like there was no nine out there Laka was not in the right positions not just for the goals near around the goals like you mentioned even in the build-up I mean what Jesus is doing now I can't keep track of him so now tactically defending him is really hard because he'll drop back I'm like what the hell what is he doing here and then he's on the wing Martinelli goes in the middle it's just he is a handful and until someone can stop him one-on-one He's going to create absolute havoc for any defense because you look amazing one-on-one pressing someone guarding him. But as soon as one person gets beat and Jesus has been able to do that, the entire press breaks down. And I just been absolutely floored with him. And his goal yesterday was a sentiment to how top quality he is. I think he's playing with the chip on his shoulder. I think he's pissed off from City letting him go and upgrading when he had a phenomenal season last year and winning the ship. So I think that chip is helping us because he just looks like he's hungry. He looks like he is just really, really hungry. And, and again, I've, maybe he's always been like this and I didn't watch enough City games. That very may, well may be the case, but I, I don't recognize him. He seems like a new player in the PL and this is absolutely exhilarating, top quality, forward, traditional Brazilian moves and the swagger. And I can't speak enough about him, and I I hope his form just continues like yeah, this. Yeah, I agree on every point. I mean, I don't think we've had an attacker, and I'll use that as you know, uh, across the front three attacker um, since Alexis Sanchez and that first goal. I mean, there's been so many clips on yeah. socials of the you know Alexis versus Gabby um, goal, and he just reminds me so much of him. Just. Uh, you can just get the ball to him and he'll make a play, which is so hard to find. And, and I mean, $45 million in this striker market is uh, an absurd piece of business. And hats off to, to Edu and Mikel and, and the whole staff for getting this one over the line because he's just he's just transformed our team into, into something different. Um, you, you touched on it right there where... Um, you know he'll he'll maybe float out to the left, and you'll see Gabby float into the middle, um, and they'll interplay off of each other. That's just beautiful to watch. And and um, Zinchenko will t- tuck into the midfield, and and everything just seems so free flowing again, and just so easy to watch. And, and I mean, 
I, I'm sure you'll agree with the statement that, but that's why both of us fell in love with this club is just how beautiful the the football was back in you know the 90s and the 2000s, and I really feel like uh, you know we have that back now, which is just so so awesome to watch. And I, I'm I'm honestly surprised at the level that he's at as well. Um, I, I did not think he was a dribbler like this. Like I did not see him as a one-to-one player that first goal you see him you see him make the move on the sideline beat his man one-to-one make a run the the ball gets stood up in the box and then he just makes something out of nothing which again going back to last year we did not have a player that could make something out of nothing and that just changes the dynamic of the team the season a game so on and so forth so I'm, I'm, I'm like you I'm just floored with the player that we have and, and just fingers crossed praying that he stays fit and I'll I'll move on to a, a you know one more subject that that I, I'm getting a little bit worried about and I hope it changes I I hope Mikel doesn't fall into the same trap as last year where he's not giving guys you know ample rest I understand that it's the start of the season I understand that we're trying to get players um to a certain fitness level but when it's 95 degrees and you're playing players 80 minutes, uh, it does kind of worry me a little bit. I know the game was a little bit nervy, but um, I, I do hope that, you know, especially when we have a player of uh, Eddie Nketiah, who I actually rate really, really high, and I think he can do a lot of the things that Gabby does, maybe not on the levels that he can right now, but he at least has the promise. I hope that Mikel... Um, in in you know the certainly the next four games where where the run, where the opponents are a little bit easier, can we get some subs at, at the 60th minute, please? Like, please don't run these players ragged this season. That's, that's another reason why we lost out on top four last year is because he just didn't rotate enough. What what are your thoughts on like the rotation, game management, so on and so forth? Yeah. The, I, if I had to pick something, it would definitely be his in-game management of when he makes the subs. I mean, it's not happening till 80th. The, the rule of thumb, I think, is around 70th. Got to make some changes, but especially when we're up, like it just introduce a new level of uh, energy, especially on the defense. Like if you can make that Zinchenko for Tierney and we're up two goals, like you should do that earlier. I think that should be pretty like standard, and Zinchenko I think would understand perfectly. Like you have the opportunity to keep both of them fresh. Um, and if we can avoid like going back to a point where it's just like now one striker or one left back now, and now we're really scared if that person gets injured. Like, I think he can manage the in game just a little bit better, um, uh, in terms of when he makes those subs. But you're spot on. I mean, I think with uh, Jesus and Enketia, you know, definitely, especially for up a lot, like Enketia is not going to stop pressing so. You know, you want to make sure you have the pressure up there. You want to make sure you have speed, um, and uh, when you're up two goals, and you get that, and a striker that drops back and is tracking back, and Eddie does that. So, I'm with you. It just, I think we're both just nervous about him getting hurt, especially in this really hot, hot uh, weather. The likelihood of that is obviously very high. But yeah, I mean, I, the thing is, you meant you touched on it slightly. The opponents are a little bit easier. And finally, I'll say finally, because we have been getting screwed by the schedule for years now. We're getting a favorable schedule to at least give us that momentum and, and let us build that confidence, which we are. So I'm very thankful of that. Still the Premier League, 
like Manu has shown, it doesn't mean who, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You could be dead in the water very easily. So nonetheless, we've won these two games. The next three are against Bournemouth, Fulham, and Villa. Uh, only one of those at Bournemouth next week is away. It's a Premier League, so every game I'm worried about because you just you just never know. You just we just saw Manu get thrashed, and we're obviously not them, but it just goes to show you you literally do not know. Uh, so you have to be on top of your game wherever you go. But Man, I mean, at least those three for the rest of August. I don't know, man. Like, for us to have 15 points is really, really realistic. And I'd say it's honestly kind of a disappointment if we can't get it. Though, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking we'll be sitting here in September 1st and saying, ah, you know, one of those is going to be a draw, you know? Just because, in like, the, the reason Premier League is the hardest, and I and we can debate about this later, I think sometimes it's harder than even the Champions League to win, is because the duration of it and maintaining top form. It's not about a team being good or bad, but you have off days. And in the Premier League, your off days lose you points, while other leagues, like your off days, you can still win out. So in the next three weeks, there's going to be an off day. We got, I mean, there, it's just going to happen. We're not going to look as fresh. Jesus, you know, will look sloppy. And it's those games, which we proved that to one of a few of them last year, if we can squeeze a win out of those, you know, we're up, say we're, if we play Fulham in two weeks and for no fucking reason at all, it's 0-0, 85th minute, and it's like crap. You know, not, just something hasn't worked out um, one way or another. So I, those are the games I'm wary about because it's like you obviously don't want it to happen, but it's they're going to come. And it's going to happen. It's just a matter of can we squeeze uh, a win out of those? Can we squeeze the three points out of games like that? But what are your thoughts now kind of scoping out? And I think it's I don't want to go too crazy on each game because it's so early in the season. And I'd rather say level-headed and get us really up there because I'm confident and I just want to be focused about it. But when you're looking at the next few games and then it gets hard about it and, and just everything in terms of, uh, our schedule and where you think we're going to be. What are your thoughts on that? I I think we should be going to Old Trafford on September 4th with 15 points. And that is at the end of the transfer, summer transfer window. So we'll really know what type of squad that they have at that point. Um, I think we got to exercise a lot of demons in that game, um, obviously. But... Um, I mean, Bournemouth, that, they should be in a relegation scrap all year. Fulham, same thing, but they, they dug out a result against Liverpool, which kind of scares me a little bit. Mitrovic looks like a really, really good player um, at this level. I know he scored a ton of goals last year in the championship. And then Villa, I think, could give us um, you know, an interesting game. Um, I think, uh, ultimately it'll come down to, you know, managerial tactics in that game. And I think Mikel is at just such a different level than Stevie G. Um, I ultimately think we'll win that game. So, yeah, I, I think 15 points somewhere in the top two or three um, by the end of August will be incredible. I mean, think about last season. First three games, zero goals scored. I think we had a negative 10 goal differential, bottom of the league, laughing stock of the league. Um, would just be, you know, a stark comparison to this year if we can get off to a, a 15 point, you know, five five wins and five games start. The confidence will just be um, huge. 
Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, these next three games to, to you know get the fitness levels going, um, you know get more of the interchange and the attack going, um, and see you know what type of level we can uh, we can get to uh, maybe when we don't have some of our best stuff. I, I finally think we have some game changers in this squad, which I. I I couldn't have said in in the past, and that's just really, really refreshing to to know that going into games. Yeah. No, you're spot on about that. That's what gives me confidence, too. And keep in mind, the more games we win, it's just going to get them confidence. So if we can go to Old Trafford, and we haven't lost a point yet, you can bet they're going to go in there more relaxed, more confident, more driven, and it's just going to keep adding. And that's one reason I'm always bitching about the schedule, because... It's just, it's all about momentum. So honestly, I, I really think this is the first year, at least so I can remember, let's say last five years that I can remember, where we're actually getting helped on the schedule side. It's always, I remember two years ago, it was City, Chelsea, and like Tots, like something crazy like that. We always play City like the first three games of the season. It seems like literally mm-hmm. last two years, I know for sure, we played them the first three games. And um, yes, I agree, we have to play them. But like, I always think, Okay, I would. Would you rather play City after you've gathered up four wins in a row we, last four weeks, or would you rather play them the second week of the season? And and we lost away at Brentford, and then we have to play. It's like that shit just makes it so much harder to play an already very 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 difficult team. But I think we're on the right path, man. And I think this season is uh, top four is we have the quality in it. We should expect it. And I think for the first time we can fairly say it. As a club, we always expect it because that's where we want to be. But, you know, to go all the way back to the first point I made when we started this thing. I don't think, like, we've had this kind of mental edge of legit having that quality compared to years before. And I, I think we finally have that now. And in the back of my mind, I'm not thinking, uh, you know, we're still, you know, have David Luis back there. So let's, you know, what's really going to happen? You knew that back in the day, even though you're like, oh, it's going to work out. He's a veteran, blah, blah, blah. But we really have that edge for real now. And it's not hype. It's not us being fans about it. It's just being very genuine and just honest about the state of where we are. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, top four should bare minimum be um the the goal for this season I, I have another goal in the back of my mind that I'll introduce later on as as we kind of start the run um into that competition that I, I think is very very winnable um given the squad that we have but um yeah I think we're in for a great season loving what I'm seeing right now uh confident uh really just enjoying being a fan again because um you know, the past decade was just painful. Um, so it's just really awesome to wake up excited to watch us play again and really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, man. We have a certain swagger about us, and I'm confident about it. I wore my jersey pride yesterday. Not that I don't wear with pride, but it just felt a little bit better, us legit uh, mm-hmm. dominating and dictating games. But, all right, we're entering about 40 minutes. I thought that was great. Um, we will be back next week after the Bournemouth match. We'll be here, hopefully in same spirits, after another three points. Until then, Kyle. Always a pleasure. Always a great Peace. Time, my man.